0: This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And in this episode, I want to talk about another passage from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And the passage that we're going to look at today is probably something that's really familiar to pretty much everybody. It's where Jesus talks about where we're storing up our treasure. And so Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, There, your heart will be also. And when I read that, the first thing that comes to my mind is that when I got my first uh, legitimate job, I worked at a golf course when I was 16. Now, before that, I had done paper routes and I had mowed lawns and I had shoveled snow and I had done all that kind of stuff. But this was my. First, like, yep, I'm 16, I'm allowed to get a job working 30 hours a week or whatever. I started working at this golf course and I would clean the carts and get them ready for the next group of people that was going out. I'd get people's uh, golf clubs, I'd meet them at their car, carry their golf clubs up to their cart or up to the clubhouse or whatever. And when I started that job, I didn't tell anybody, but I had this plan in my head that my goal was to save up $1,000 in my bank account. And I thought if I can save up $1,000, I'll be happy. And so uh, I did kind of what a lot of 16 year old kids, especially 16 year old guys do. I blew most of my money that I made that first summer. I remember I spent probably, I don't know, half of my entire summer's earnings on putting a really (laughs) nice sound system and some subwoofers that you could hear me from a block away easily when I was coming up to your neighborhood or to you stopped at a stoplight or whatever. And I just burned through that money the first summer. But then the second summer, I got a little more serious and I started putting money away. And I can remember still, this would have been in probably 2002 or something like that. I can still remember, this is how you know it was really 2002, I got my bank statement in the mail, right? That used to be a thing. So I I got a statement in the mail from my bank saying my balance and I can remember the first time it was over $1,000, it was $1,047 and some amount of cents. And I can remember the moment that I saw that, I was so happy. I was so excited for like 10 seconds. And then, I don't know, deflation or disappointment or whatever set in And I immediately thought, okay, so a 1,000 isn't going to fulfill me and bring me that happiness. Maybe 2,000 will. And we all know that feeling, don't we, of getting something that we're like, man, I I think this is going to be the thing. We usually make fun of the kids in our families and that we're connected to because at Christmas, this is what they do. They open that new toy thinking, oh, this is going to be the thing, man. This is the greatest thing I've ever had. I'm going to love this and cherish this for the rest of my life. And then usually by the end of the week or definitely by the end of that month, um, they kind of moved on from it. They don't know where it is or they wound up breaking it or they just don't pay that much attention to it anymore, right? And we make fun of little kids for doing that. But we know that we do the same thing. We get so excited when we get that new-to-us car, and then a week into it, it's like, okay, yeah, this is just a car that gets me from point A to point B. We think that a new job or a new home or a new whatever, a new, you know, I really enjoy cooking, so I think, hey, this new cooking thing, this new pan that I got, this new, you know, silicon, um stir or this new spatula, whatever that I can do something different with. It's easy to clean, it's easy to use. Oh, this is gonna be awesome. And it is for like a couple times that I use it, or maybe a week if I'm lucky. And then you kind of go, okay, yeah, whatever. This is just one of the things that I have. And what Jesus is getting at here when he's talking about don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He's getting at this idea that the stuff we have isn't gonna last forever, right? Because that's what happens to our stuff. Moths, especially he would have been talking uh, to his original audience where some fine clothing would have been a significant thing for them that they would have treasured and they would have stored it and they would have been excited to have a special occasion to come and use this fine clothing. And when you go to pull that out and moths have gotten into it, um, your stuff is kind of wrecked. And you find that this treasure that I had, this thing on earth that I thought was going to bring me such... Joy and such fulfillment, uh, it's actually wrecked. So moths and rust. Now, the word that has been translated here into English as rust is really just a word that's talking about basically something being consumed. And so for us, the idea of rust makes sense with that. But it also kind of fits if you think of it as like wear and tear or stuff just breaks down over time. So Jesus is saying, don't store up treasures here because moths are going to get to it or it's going to get eaten or eventually it's going to just wear and tear. It's going to break down over time. Also thieves could break in and just steal it. So he's saying the stuff, the treasure that we store up here on Earth, it's not gonna last, right? That's what he's getting at here. Moths get into it and wreck it, and they start to eat it away. Something else that can just make it wear and tear just makes it eventually go away, right? We use stuff enough you know, if you've got that old pair of jeans that's your favorite, they're your work jeans or whatever, You know that slowly over time, all the using and all the washing and all the getting caught on stuff, they eventually just disintegrate, basically. And then thieves break in and steal. All these three things that he's highlighting are ways that he's talking about reminding us that stuff doesn't last forever. And if that's our treasure... If that's what we're going to, to find peace and fulfillment and satisfaction. First, it's not going to work. But second, that stuff's going to, it's going to break down. We're going to lose it. It's going to get stolen. Something's going to happen to it eventually. Maybe not even in our lifetime. You're like, no, no, no. The thing I collect, man, this I'm going to pass down for 10 generations. Okay. But it's still stuff. And stuff eventually decays, it breaks down, it gets stolen, it gets lost, it's gone. It doesn't hold the same value that we think it's going to hold in our heads. So Jesus says, instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, because that's a spot where moths and rust don't destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. And then he says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I started thinking a little bit about what that means. And I realized that we spend a lot of time, I spend a lot of time thinking about how to protect my stuff. I'm guessing that probably most of the people listening, you have some kind of hobby. And, you know, when I think of the stuff that I work my hardest to protect, it's the stuff that's related to my hobby, because that has a special value to me, more of a value than it probably has to anyone else that's listening. You know, it's funny, I was already planning on recording this episode today. And last night, my wife and I where we were watching a show on Netflix, Parks and Rec. I don't know if you've seen it, but there was a scene where one of the characters goes to this kind of convention, awards banquet thing for one of his hobbies, something that he was into. And he wound up seeing, in his mind, a big celebrity, and he was excited to go talk to this person. And he saw some specialized tools, and he was all excited. And we paused the show for a minute. My wife not knowing at all that this stuff was even on my radar, she said, hobbies are so funny because to the person who's into something, they get so excited about this stuff. But to everyone else on the outside, they look at it and it's like, they think that they're looking at someone who's crazy for caring about this stuff. And I started thinking about how much we spend our time thinking about our hobbies, the stuff we treasure. For me, I can't remember if I've even talked at all about this before in the podcast, but me and my dad and my brother, we're all three big NBA basketball fans. And so we love to watch the games. We love to, you know, get excited about who's going to be playing who in the playoffs. And we also do something that started really as far back as I can remember in life. We collect basketball cards. Now, I'm guessing that that's not a hobby that most of you share with me, but I'm guessing probably most of you at least remember at some point growing up, you opened a pack of baseball cards or football cards or Pokemon cards or something, right? So we started collecting basketball cards when I was, you know, I don't know, five, something like that. And that's something now I'm 32 and I still enjoy collecting basketball cards. So I started thinking about, okay, what does it mean that if, if that's my treasure, right? What does that do to me? How does that impact the way that I think about life? And I thought, well, it really doesn't. But then I started thinking about it from a deeper level. And I thought of the fact that, well, you know, it's not like some big business or whatever, but I'll sell some cards on eBay. And then I had to think through all the things that are connected with eBay. So if you don't sell on eBay, you don't know this probably, but if you sell something on eBay and you ship it out, You have to get uh, tracking, whether that's through the post office, FedEx, UPS, whatever, because if you don't have delivery confirmation that the item you claim you shipped was actually delivered to the address of the person who said you were supposed to ship it to them, who paid for it, then even if they get it in the mail, they can file a claim saying, I never got it. And if you don't have a tracking number with delivery confirmation that it showed up to the address that you were supposed to ship it to, PayPal immediately sides against you and sends that person their money back. And I know people who have shipped out cards and they didn't get delivery confirmation because they didn't know about that rule and they had someone claim they never got it. It's possible maybe one of those times the person really didn't get it. But think about how many times a package or a letter that you mailed or that was mailed to you, that stuff gets where it's supposed to get 99.9% of the time or whatever. So these claims, oh, it never arrived. Like, uh, okay, I I don't know if that's really legitimate or not. So I spend time thinking about how to protect myself from something like that. And then if the item you sell is over a certain amount, you have to get a signature from the person that receives it on the other end. Otherwise, same deal as before. They can say they never got it. Even if you have tracking showing it was delivered to their house, they can say, well, I never got it. You know, maybe someone stole it off my porch, someone stole it out of the mailbox, who knows? And PayPal immediately sides with them, they get their money back. And I realized that when I start to think about my hobby of cards, I realized that I spend not like an insane amount of time, but I spend some time and some mental energy and some effort on thinking through, okay, if I'm going to sell something on eBay, how do I protect myself from one of these scams? Because I, I value these cards that I'm shipping out, and I don't want anything bad to happen to them. And so that train of thought led me to, okay, I've got some cards that, you know, I definitely could find them again and I could buy them, but I really, even though it sounds kind of weird, I have something of an emotional attachment to some of the cards that I have in my collection. I enjoy them. I remember the story of when I first got them. I remember, you know, I don't know, all kinds of weird details that you would think is crazy for me to think about. But it's my hobby. You've got probably one of your hobbies where you're spending this kind of mental energy. So anyway, I've got these cards and I started thinking, man, I know I could get these again, but I really like these particular cards. So I want to figure out how to protect them. So I started doing some research and I looked into, you know, maybe I should get a safe. I should put it in my house. Okay, but the problem is You know, if you get a safe, it protects it from somebody breaking in and stealing, but it doesn't really protect it. I mean, what if there's a fire? What if there's a flood? I know that this sounds like I'm way overthinking this, right? But this is what we do when we're storing up treasure on earth. And this is why Jesus is saying, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Because the stuff that we really value, it finds a way to keep us occupied thinking about our stuff. Now, I was planning on going down the road of why I was like, no, that safe's not going to work because what about a fire? What about a flood? But I think I've made my point, and I think that's probably way too monotonous and boring. But the point is there are about three or four more layers that I had to think through in terms of how to make sure I could protect these cards and make sure whether it was someone trying to steal them, a flood, a fire, excess humidity, whatever. I had to think through all this stuff because I'm trying to protect tiny little pieces of super fragile cardboard that lose a lot of their value if they have any kind of damage to them at all. And I spent a bunch of time thinking through, okay, how do, I, how do I protect these tiny little pieces of cardboard that I, for some crazy reason, have an emotional attachment to? Now, I'm guessing, like I said, that I'm about the only person who has that with cards. But I started thinking about what this looks like for other people. Uh, you know what your hobby is and you know what the little intricacies and nuance is around trying to protect and value and care for the stuff that you spend a lot of time enjoying. I started thinking about too, um, you know, if you're not in a place that gets hit with a lot of snow in the winter, you won't experience this and this maybe won't even make sense to you at all. But if you're in a spot like me in Michigan, uh, lots of people have a car that they only drive in the summertime or the spring or the fall, but definitely not in the winter. They store it someplace over the winter. Usually someplace they have to take it to and you know wait their turn to park it in this big barn that's heated or not heated or whatever, and they, they figure that out. Or people who have a cottage by a lake somewhere And that means that there's a second lawn to mow, a second home to dust, a second refrigerator to stock, a second furnace or air conditioner to potentially break down. And I started thinking about why Jesus would say, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I think it's because he understood that we only have a limited amount of, uh, emotional energy. We only have a limited amount of brain power. We only have a limited amount of time in a day to spend thinking about things that are important to us. And if we're spending a bunch of time, a disproportionate amount of time trying to figure out how to protect these little pieces of cardboard like me or how to protect a vehicle or how to take care of a second home or how to whatever, whatever your hobby is, whatever you're spending all this extra time and effort and energy figuring out how to protect and how to care for and how to make sure that what Jesus is saying here, that these moths and rust and thieves can't get at your stuff When we're spending all that time and energy and effort thinking about our treasures, our stuff that we value, it pulls us away from having the opportunity to instead of kind of storing up this treasure on earth to make sure that our treasure is in heaven. Now, I don't think... You know, when I read through this, I don't think that Jesus is saying you need to get rid of everything. You shouldn't have any stuff. You shouldn't have things that you value. You shouldn't have hobbies that you enjoy. I I don't read it that way. But what I think he's saying is you need to be careful that you keep your stuff, your earthly, what we often call treasures, in the right perspective, because those things can easily, easily, and I'm guessing that as I'm talking about this, you're not having to think of how theoretically these can start taking up a disproportionate amount of your time. I'm guessing that most people listening like me, um, you immediately understand that there are some things in life in this earth that are going to pass away, like Jesus says, that we're spending a disproportionate amount of time and effort and energy thinking about protecting, spending time on, you know, maintaining or whatever. And he's, he's reminding us that it's important to not have our treasure here on earth, Because no matter what it is, it's not going to last forever. And to take this shift in perspective from saying, this stuff is the most valuable stuff in my life, right? Even if we don't actually say that or actually think that, sometimes the way that we act communicates that, doesn't it? And Jesus is saying, Your treasure shouldn't be this stuff here on earth because it's not going to last. It's not going to satisfy. It's not going to bring fulfillment. Your treasure should be something that you're storing up for yourself in heaven where nothing can get at it, destroy it, steal it, make it disappear. Because he says where your treasure is That's where your heart will be also. And as I read through that passage, I think, man, what a practical and simple teaching. Because he's really hitting right at something that probably every single one of us can look at the last, I don't know, month, definitely the last year, and realize that in that time frame, we've spent some time worrying a whole lot more about stuff than is worth it in the long run. And when Jesus talks about finding our treasure, not here, but in heaven, I think he gives us a lot to think about in the way that we spend our time, the way that we um, spend our mental energy thinking about what really is important in life because if we're honest we realize that we spend a whole lot of time thinking about stuff that in the big picture is not important at all right now it's exciting it's fun it's enjoyable but in the big picture uh, it's stuff that's not going to last and what is going to last is investment in people is our desire and our follow-through on living the life that God has called us to. Um, you know, I, I love that Jesus had someone ask him, what does that look like? What's the most important thing to do? And Jesus says, the first and greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength, And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And I think right there he boils down what it looks like to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven where stuff doesn't disappear or break down or lose value or get stolen or get eaten or whatever weird thing happens to our stuff. If we're spending our lives loving God with everything that we've got and loving other people with the same desire for them to experience joy and life and love and fulfillment that we have for our own selves, I think that's what it looks like to instead of storing up our treasure here on earth, store it up in heaven. And that right there is wisdom.